Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend yes yes y'all from the Dave Campbell's Texas football internet sphere here in an undisclosed location and also in Louisville, this is Texas Football Today, a show on the internet. My name is Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, a magazine. TexasFootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live at TexasFootball.com or on the Facebook, or you're listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to. The podcast vendor of your choice. You can also watch us on YouTube and on Twitch. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over. Ooh, let's see if I can do this right. You got it. You did it. Yet? There. Yes. Yeah. Great success. <laughs> In Louisville at the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She is Ashley Pickle. Hello, Ashley Pickle. Howdy. Uh,. Is everything everything okay? Yeah. We're just tracking okay, along. I was just checking. Yeah, just checking. we're good. Today is Tuesday, March 16th, 2021. 254 days until Thanksgiving. Episode 1,125. I'm sorry, 1,127. 1,127 is the Tom Wilhelm. One, it's, 1,127, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I said okay. wrong when you got it One, wrong the first time. <laughs> 1127, this is the Tom Wilhelmson episode. On today's show, friends, we're going to take a look at which Texas high school football regions were the best in 2020, and I'm sure we'll have a nice, reasonable, uh, non-yelly internet conversation about this Hmm. because there's nothing that gets people fired up more than uh, my part of the state is better than your part of the state. (laughs) In the back half of the show, it is Hot Take Tuesday, uh, and uh, we caught up with Matt Stepp, our Dave Campbell's Texas football high school football insider from up at the great white North. He issued a hot take on the importance of inner city high school football. Uh, we will talk with Matt stuff coming up here at the back half of the program. Do we have first four through the door? We sure do. It was Tony Blaylock, Rob Hadaway, Andrew Christensen, and Ryan Smiga. Welcome in fellas. Hi friends. It's good to see you. Um, Okie dokie. Let's get into a piece that I have up on texasfootball.com about the best Texas high school football regions in 2020. And this is a common debate. And I think a lot of the common debate centers on um, fundamentally two things. One, which major metro area 
has the best football? Mm-hmm. And two, where can you find the best small school football? And I think that those are, are things that are, that are generally pretty separated. But I also think it's important to view things holistically. And so at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, we divide the state into 21 regions. There are some places that do it as few as like seven. There are some places that do it as few as like 12. We do it into 21 regions. I believe the largest region is Houston, Mm -hmm. maybe DFW. It's either DFW or Houston, as far as most number of schools. And the smallest region, I believe, is the Hill Country. I want to say that's the one that has the fewest number of, of schools in it. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to take an, an analytical eye to it. And using the Dave Campbell's Texas football computer rankings, I wanted to take a look at which regions on balance have the strongest high school football. And so what I did was I took all the teams and I looked at their final postseason uh, rating in the Dave Campbell's Texas football rankings uh, and more or less, I just kind of averaged all the teams out. You know, we could talk about whether or not that's that's the best way about going about it because, uh, you know, there are some places that, you know, for example, DFW had the most uh, state championships, right? They had the most state championships uh, this year, but they also have the most teams. So wouldn't you stand a reason that they should? And furthermore, Yes, because they had one of the very best teams in the state in Den Ryan or Alito, right? Should that count more than having some teams that really, really struggled in 2020? Like there's a balance there of like when you take things holistically, you're going to have teams at the very top, but you've also got to counterbalance that with the teams that are going to be there at the very bottom. And so in the end, we came up with our rankings, and I think they might be surprising to people. Uh, and so I don't know if you have the graphic. I do. Um, Here we go. We're gonna we're gonna throw up. These are the top ten. You can find all the ratings, all twenty one uh, district or uh, regions rated at TexasFootball.com on my piece. But the top region in the state, the Piney Woods, um, I, I, that may be a bit of a surprise to some people. But when you consider the fact uh, that they've got pound for pound the best team in the state, that's Carthage. Mm-hmm. Carthage was pound for pound the best team in the state. They were uh, far better than every other four A Division two team. And then you add in what I think is really considerable depth, whether you're talking about Huntsville, Timpson, Tenahaw, Tatum, uh, Beckville, Lufkin had a decent year, Garrison Center. Like, they get really, really deep. Uh, and, yeah, there are, there are only a couple of teams at the very, very bottom uh, to kind of drag them down. And so in the end, on balance, the Piney Woods had the best uh, Texas high school football in the state, uh, followed closely by uh, the Brazos Valley. So we're talking – uh, think Greater College Station, Bryan College mm-hmm. Station is what you're thinking there. Um, and that one, that is the perfect example of a, a region that doesn't have one absolutely dominant team, but right. does have a bunch of really quality squads. And more importantly, very few teams at the very bottom that are dragging them down. So the best team in, in Brazos Valley, according to our rankings, was Franklin. Franklin, uh, the 3A Division II runner-up. Uh, but then you add in a really good six-man team in Calvert. And then you add in a 10-win College Station team and an 11-win Normandy team and a 9-1 and 
Hearn team, an eight and three AM consolidated team, 12 and two Buffalo. Like the depth there was really, really impressive. Panhandle comes in third, Canadian kind of leading the way there. Wellington obviously had a fantastic year as well. Groom, an outstanding six man squad. Wichita Falls, another relatively small, another team that kind of benefits from being relatively small because Winthorpe leads the way, obviously the 2A Division II state champions, but you add in a team like Graham, who is very good this year. Uh, Wichita Falls Ryder and Holiday were excellent as well. And just very few teams at the very bottom to drag them down. Um, Hill Country comes in fifth, Big Country sixth. The, the first time we get to a major metro area is when we get to San Antonio. Mm-hmm. San Antonio, I think, is very interesting because doing most of the heavy lifting, in fact, uh, of the top seven teams in the San Antonio region, only two of them were big schools. Yeah. Uh, but San Antonio is getting boosted by Shiner, uh, who we consider to be San Antonio region. Uh, Poth, Hallettsville, uh, you add in Fall City and Geronimo Navarro. Mm-hmm. Those were the teams that really boosted. So yeah, from the big school perspective, San Antonio Reagan and Cibolo Steel were the best. Um, but these were they got boosted by um, by a lot of the small schools that were really good that maybe you don't think about when you're talking about San Antonio area high school football. That makes me East Texas how much, comes in eight, how much higher they would have been if Judson would have gone and done normal Judson things. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if they would have had one or two more 6A teams, that, that really would have been boosted. I wonder if they would have gotten in the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, East Texas comes in at number eight, which, again, might surprise a few people. The thing that, that surprised, that thing about that, though, is East Texas had a group of about 12 teams at the very bottom that were really dragging them down. That, yeah, uh, Longview, Malakoff, Gr- Gilmer, Mount Vernon, Wascom, Pleasant Grove, Lindale, all exceptional Mineola in that mix as well, but they're all kind of counterbalanced by that big by by kind of a, a glut of teams at the bottom. Uh, the South Plains there, the Lubbock area is, is the ninth rated uh, Texas high school football region in 2020, and then you get to DFW. DFW comes in tenth, and that is a team again. I think you've got an argument that they have. I mean, they probably have three. I mean, they they only have three state champions. Right? right, Denton Ryan, Alito, and and then Argyle, but and then you've got other teams like Duncanville and Ennis and South Lake Carroll and and, and and Grandview who are all excellent as well. But the thing you've got to remember is you're also counting in all of these other teams, and you're talking. I mean, for every Duncanville that you have, you've got to count in you know a, a Fort Worth Diamond Hill Jarvis, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for every uh, you know for every South Lake Carroll that you have, uh, you're going to need to include a, 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 a an Irving. So th- that balance there is what kind of ends up getting them into tent. If you're interested, and I know you are because you're watching this show, <laughs> the full rankings, uh, number 11 is, uh, is Permian Basin. Their best team was Balmeray. Number 12 is Austin. Austin Westlake is the, uh, is the bell cow there. Uh, Super Syntax, kind of greater Waco area, uh, is 13th. Mart is there. 14th was Coastal Bend uh, with Refurio leading the way. Uh, Houston is 15th. Uh, and again, a lot of the problems with DFW, they just didn't have, end up having the state champions that, that DFW had. Uh, and so Galena Park North Shore, the best team in the Houston area in 2021 or 2020. Concho Valley, 16. Texoma, 17. Golden Triangle, 18. And the bottom three, Rio Grande Valley, 
El Paso, and then South Texas, which is what we kind of consider to be greater Laredo area. And so there it is. It's my piece up on TexasFootball.com, the best Texas high school football regions in 2020. I hope you'll take a look at it. Uh, Let me know what you think in the comments um, uh, and uh, be gentle, but know that this is all based on math. We can certainly uh, debate the, the methodology. But this is what the computer says. The computer says that the Piney Woods was the place to find the best Texas high school football in 2020. Uh, and it's not just Carthage. You know what I mean? Carthage obviously does a lot of that. But Huntsville and Tempson and a lot of those other teams were really, really good in 2020. Helped to buoy uh, those deep East Texas uh, Piney Woods. So check that out on TexasFootball.com. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells, and of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. TexasFootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. Please consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. We are working hard on the 2020 Summer Edition, of, or 2021, I should say. 2021 I don't want to go work back on the 2021, please. <laughs> I agree. No more 2020. The 2021 Summer Edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Uh, you can uh, be pre-ordered to get it early before it hits newsstands. Uh, if you go to texasfootball.com slash subscribe to become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider, you also get a bunch of great online content all throughout the year, including new episode of Tep and Step dropping tomorrow night for Ooh. insiders only. So you will not want to miss that. Texasfootball.com slash subscribe. Did we ever say anything Speaking about, of Tepin, hmm? real fast, the basketball podcast that we now have? Yeah. We have a new basketball podcast. Um, we promised you basketball content-ish content, and uh, we have it. Uh, it's called Texas 24. Um, it is our new podcast from Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball. You can find it at texasbasketball.com, as well as anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, and it is a really good listen. So they just, I believe they just dropped their second episode where they wrap up uh, the state championships, and they also talk about March Madness. So if you are a basketball fan, Texas 24 is the podcast for you. Make sure you check that out. Good reminding. Thank you. Speaking of Tep and Step, uh, my co-host on Tep and Step, Matt Step, joined us earlier today to talk about his piece up on TexasFootball.com on Hot Take Tuesday Pickle. Tuesday, where we invite a member of the Dave Campbell's Texas football staff to issue their hottest take. Uh, today, it's Matt Stepp from the Great White North on why inner city Texas high school football is important. Here's my conversation with Matt Stepp here on Hot Take Tuesday on Texas Football Today. It's Hot Take Tuesday here on Texas Football Today, uh, where we invite a member of the Dave Campbell's Texas football staff to issue their hottest take. Uh, and for today's hot take, we're going to the land of the cold, up north to Canada, to Windsor, Ontario, Canada, uh, to be joined by our good friend, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, high school football insider, Matt Stepp. Uh, is it cold up there? Do not be smirch, beautiful Cambridge, Ontario, sir. Oh, Cambridge. That's right. Do not be smirch my hood. Uh, is it cold <laughs> up there? Uh, it's, uh, it's minus one Celsius. We use Celsius in, up here. So it's okay, uh, so. It's- it's about 30. That still means it's freezing. It's Yeah, it's 30. It's, I think it's supposed to be a little warmer today, though. We're, you know, 
we're moving up. We're moving up in the world. It's, it's springtime. Uh, meanwhile, it's shorts and a hoodie weather here in, in yeah. Texas. Um, we've brought you on because you've got a piece up on texasfootball.com talking about an area of Texas high school football that uh, I think you and I both agree doesn't get talked about enough, probably for reasons that we'll get into. Uh, but your argument is that inner city Texas high school football is more important than people give it credit for. I'm interested to hear you defend that. Absolutely. Um, you know, inner city football um, doesn't get the best rap in the world. Um, part of it is because of the uh, the changing uh, demographics of our state. You know, people move out of the city and, and, and move into the suburbs to raise their families. They leave the city, uh, that kind of thing. People move into the city, but it's mostly single young adults who are fresh out of college, hipster type people who don't have families, and don't have kids. So the numbers um, in the in inner city programs uh, have dropped. Uh, the, the, the relevance on a statewide level as far as making deep playoff runs from our inner city programs uh, isn't really there for a variety of reasons. Um, and so people have, have forgotten about it, but I, I still feel like inner city football is really the soul um, in a lot of ways of Texas high school football uh, because these are, these are legacy programs that have, you know, some of these schools have been around for generations. You know, th these are, schools that have been, you know, you know, Dallas Woodrow Wilson, you know, has two Heisman Trophy winners. Um, you know, some of the schools, you know, Houston Heights played in the first ever state championship game, UIL state championship game against Cleburne. Uh, schools like San Antonio Brackenridge, Austin Reagan, um, have, you know, Austin LBJ, um, those schools, a lot of those schools have, have, have long, long traditions uh, that, that are, are very important to the history of Texas high school football. And, and I feel like uh, it's still important uh, to recognize those programs and recognize the, the brand of football that's being played. Because even though these teams may not necessarily be competing for state championships, Austin LBJ being, being an exception last year, making their uh, tremendous run, but these teams are still important. They still have a lot of great players. And I think these, the coaches in the inner cities have such a diff have a much, much more difficult job um, than the coaches in these big suburban programs because of, of the challenges and obstacles that they have to navigate, not only inside the school with the limitations from a budget standpoint, the number of coaches they have and the facilities that they have, but also life for some of these kids. Some of these kids come from really difficult situations and, and playing football and, and being a part of something bigger than themselves uh, is really important when you look at the grand scheme of things from a societal standpoint as well. Yeah, you know, I, one thing when when I was doing some some thoughts on on your piece after reading it on texasfootball.com, you know, one thing that that struck me is that, you know, let's let's take just 6A and 5A. That's where the majority of the inner city uh, teams uh, reside are in 6A and 5A. It strikes me that if you look at the eight finalists from uh, this year's 6A and 5A, it is not just all like there's no inner city teams. That's not necessarily a surprise. But it's all suburban teams, all of them. Every all all eight of them, <clears throat> you can say are 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 in the suburbs of whether it's Austin, whether it's Dallas or or DFW or it's uh, you know Houston. Then you add in, you know, you even drop down to to, to the four A level. You know, Argyle is is decidedly a suburban school uh, in in the DFW Metroplex. They they win a state championship. I mean, Carthage is obviously it's its own thing out there in yeah. East Texas. But yeah. you have to get down to there before you stop finding that suburban dominance. And so I guess my question for you is we have these we have these inner city schools and, and, and I think we both agree that that it's important for, for them to to recognize them. 
In your experience, you know, we talked about Austin LBJ making that deep run. What does it take for an inner city school to catch that lightning in a bottle and to get hot? What is it that, what is it that they need to, to be able to, to get into that contention? I think the first thing is you, you've got to have um, you got to have the kids, right? You got to have talent. I mean, every, the best teams always have have the talent, and you have to have a talent pool with some continuity. And typically, when you see um, an inner city program uh, rise up and make a deep run, it's because they've had a group of kids that have been together for a long time, from seventh grade on up. There hasn't been a lot of uh, movement, you know, per se. It's much more like the suburban schools where you have a kid have a group of of seventh graders that have come into the program in seventh grade and have moved all the way up through 12th grade without a lot of, of change. Uh, so you need that. Um, and you need to have those two or three really special kids to kind of carry you. LBJ had that this year uh, with, with, with uh, Makuba and McCutcheon, uh, those two big time division one players. Um, and then you had that, that the, the worker bees around them are, are good players that, that maybe aren't the division one guys, but are, are, are really good high school football players. Uh, we saw it a few years ago. I think it was in 2012 with Houston Lamar when they made their run to the state championship game they kind of they had their um they had the Colbert kid at quarterback and they had a really good crew around them and they had a, a veteran head coach and Tom Nolan LBJ had, had some continuity on their staff with Jamal Finner and his coaching staff there's there's continuity in the coaching staff there's continuity with the kids and so continuity really is the key when you combine that continuity with the talent uh, that's when you get the the teams that can make a deep run. South Oak Cliff a couple of years ago, they had a really good crew come there. They, they really pushed Alito. I believe that was a third round playoff game three or four years ago. They had a really good uh, group of kids that had come through the program. They had continuity on their staff and they were able to 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 make that run. So I think the continuity and talent are really the, the the two big factors continuity not only with the kids but with the coaching staff as well because you know let's be honest coaches in the inner city a lot of them are looking to move up and go get that big suburban job where there's that they can be completely in charge because in, a, in an inner city isd uh, you're talking about a school district with a dozen 15 20 schools so you're reporting up to an athletic director sometimes an area athletic director and so there's a lot more red tape whereas if you're the in a suburban one school town you're the buck stops with you as far as athletics goes. So a lot of guys want to get to that point. So you see a lot more movement um, and, 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 you know, guys in and out of jobs in the inner cities as well. Um, before we let you go, I, I want to make sure we, we touch on this about something you said about the coaches. You know, you said that the, the struggles that they go through and that their job, um, <clears throat> uh, being a Texas high school football coach is, is hard wherever you are. No uh, the degree of difficulty can be uh, even e increased even further at an inner city school. You're a guy who's, who's maybe you're, you've maybe talked to more Texas high school football coaches than anybody in America. When you talk to guys who are in the, these, uh, these inner city schools, uh, what are the challenges? What are the things that they talk about that are, that are maybe unique to those jobs <clears throat> that people at suburban jobs don't have? Well, I think the biggest thing is is you, you you're going to probably have fewer coaches uh, than than what you normally normally would work with in a suburban ISD. A lot of times, you know, if if you if you're at a certain size school and you're allowed a lot of twenty coaches um, at at a job in a suburban ISD, you may you may only be allotted fifteen jobs. Um, in, a, in inner city school you're not going to have as many coaches to work with you're not going to have um, as much uh, control over who you can hire as your assistants as you as you would in the suburbs because typically in the inner city schools uh, the principal does all the hiring and so a lot of times if you're stuck into a teaching you know you have to have a coach who teaches this subject um, you, you're not going to be able to pick that coach the principal is probably going to pick that coach and then you're kind of kind of have to work with that coach even though that may not be uh, your guy so to speak so you, you have those challenges when you're building a staff, 
Um, you have the challenges of, of, of from a from a teaching standpoint. Most inner city head coaches are in the classroom, um, and sometimes they're in the classroom for you know four or five classes a day, uh, where you don't see that in the suburbs. In the suburbs, the head coaches almost never are in the classroom, except maybe as like an emergency emergency sub or something. Um, those guys are administrators. They have administrator responsibilities. Where in the inner city, a lot of those guys don't have administrator responsibilities, and they're teaching. Uh, classes every day so they're already behind uh, from that standpoint then you add in uh, the facility standpoint you know COVID-19 has really hurt the inner city schools because their schools by nature are older there's not as many, much room to spread out so they had to get a lot more creative when setting up the weight rooms and the workouts and those kind of things you know you go to some inner city schools and like Dallas uh, Fort Worth Trimble Tech they don't have a full 120 yard football field on campus. They have an 80 yard field they have to work with. They don't, and they only have one field. You know, you go to some of these suburban schools, they have three or four fields where they can spread out and have the JV on one side, the varsity on one side. Some of these schools don't have lights, so they can't practice after dark. There's a facilities limitation as well. And then you get into the, to the like I said, the limitations of some of these kids, you know, can't show up for summer workouts because they have to have jobs and those kinds of things. You know, you get into the, the life situations of some of these kids where, you know, the only meals that they know they're going to get are at school, you know, and so some of these coaches have to make sure their kids are fed and they have to keep peanut butter sandwiches and peanut butter and bread stocked in the field house to make sure these kids have something to eat when they go home. So there's a lot of challenges that those guys have to deal with that in, in more upper upper tier schools where, where there's a higher uh, median income don't have to deal with those things. It's peace up on texasfootball.com from Matt Stepp. And I guess our, our overarching point and your overarching point is when the 2021 season rolls around, Make your way to one of these games. Yeah, adopt a team. You know, if, if it's your alma mater, an alma mater of your grandparents, you know, if they, you know, I, I understand you're going to go watch your team play on Friday night, and I totally get that. But those inner city games are on Thursdays and Saturdays a lot of the time. Adopt an inner city team and go watch one of their games on Thursday and Saturday night. Support those kids. Those kids, the things those coaches are doing are, are a lot bigger than football week in and week out. And, and those crowds aren't usually that big. Um, so any any extra bodies that are in the stands for those kids to support those kids and those programs are, are really appreciated. So my challenge is if you live in the metro area, adopt an inner city program and go watch them play on a couple of Thursday and Saturday games or when you, you, your team has their bye week that week, go out and support those kids. He's Matt Stepp. He's the Dave Campbell's Texas football high school football insider coming to us from Canada. Uh, Step, stay warm. Thank you. There he is, Matt Stepp, our Dave Campbell's Texas football high school football insider. Uh, good piece up on texasfootball.com for Hot Take Tuesday, talking about inner city football and the importance of that. So make sure you check that out on texasfootball.com. <clears throat> and now we go live to Louisville, the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Headquarters, for America's second favorite segment, Final Thoughts. Um, going back to, you said to uh, the people to let them know what they thought about your, uh -huh. or about the rankings earlier. And it seemed like from the comments that the Piney Woods being number one, mainly with Carthage being in there, not really a surprise to almost anyone. Um, as you probably I think when you have, they have that they had that nice balance of to me they had that balance of having the number one team, like the undisputed best team in, in definitely in their classification, arguably pound for pound, according to the rankings, the they were pound for pound the best team in, in, in the state. And then they also had that really nice like second layer of teams uh, with the Huntsvilles and the Thompsons and stuff like that, that were really, really solid uh, that helped to buoy them. Uh, yeah, so the, the Piney Woods, that's a big reason why. Well, and Timpson had an unbelievable 
year that we really didn't expect from the beginning. So that doesn't help but do anything. And then, of course, most of the issues with it were what I feel like almost anyone could have expected with, you know, DFW and Houston. But it did seem like after you explained how the math of this worked out of basically it almost cancels each other out. Like you said, for every Duncanville, there is a 0-10 team that really kind of takes mm-hmm. that balance. So it seems like they That's got the it a little thing. bit more. Look, if, I mean, look, if you're asking me to like rank pound for pound the best teams in the state, like, yeah, a lot of them are going to be in the DFW and the Houston and the Austin areas because that's where a lot of those best teams, especially the 6A and 5A level. But you've got to remember that the, that, that for all those teams out there, you also have some of the, I mean, I hate to say it, but some of the very worst pound-for-pound teams in the state as well. And so those are going to kind of counterbalance one another uh, and, and average themselves out. So. It's just kind of part of it, um, you know, and I think that what you saw was, you know, because DFW had, I thought, a pretty good year with three state champions overall, that kind of buoyed them into the top 10. But the, the bottom line is it's always going to be hard for those big metro areas to get into that top 10 simply because You're you do have so many teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you have so many teams at the bottom that are going to kind of drag them down. So that's that's one of the things that you've got to keep in mind, so. Uh, anyway, both those pieces are up on texasfootball.com. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Thanks to Matt Stepp for being our guest today. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Boom. Vince Young, please come meet your player of the year trophy. We will see you tomorrow for Recruiting Wednesday. This weekend, Recruiting with Greg Powers. I'm next on Texas Football Today.